Come on, Merry Christmas, Go Church. Come on. You look good, by the way, looking really good. Anybody in the Christmas spirit? Come on, if you're in the Christmas spirit, that's me. Man, Merry Christmas, Feliz Navidad. Come on, look at somebody near you and say, you're my best friend, and I'm glad you're sitting by me. Come on, encourage somebody that way. And then for the person you didn't pick, tell them, say, you just got a little work to do to get to number one. Come on, just going to work on that. What an honor and privilege it is to have you here at Go Church today. For those of you in this room, you're at our South Metro Atlanta campus. This is our broadcast campus. And from this location, we have the honor and the privilege to live stream our gatherings to our online campus family. So we greet everybody watching online. And then, of course, to our campus in the greater Washington, D.C. area, specifically in Germantown, Maryland. So for those of you in the room, you got a big job today. You're setting the tone for everybody watching online and in Germantown. So come on, real loud, all the way from the south. Put your hands together. Welcome, everybody, online. Come on, let them hear you in Germantown. Love you. That's good. And then... If you've been here before, you know that we have a weekly tradition that before we jump into the message, we pause to give honor to the brave men and women that serve in the military and all of those courageous first responders. So in a moment, I'm going to have you clap. And if you're serving again as a first responder in the military, may this heartfelt moment of encouragement and appreciation be just that. We love you. We thank God for you. And we say Merry Christmas. All right, church family, come on, show some love. Here we go. Come on, a little louder. Here it is. There we go. Thank you. Thank you for serving. It's fantastic. Uh, I want to pray for you in a moment. Let me give you a couple of things really quickly here. Uh, you've heard this now for a couple of weeks, but by the way, you're only 12 days until Christmas Eve, 13 days till Christmas. So the Lord just wanted me to tell all you men, I hear you, Lord. It's two words, Amazon Prime. Come on, somebody. All right. So get on that, fellas. Come on. Uh, but we're doing a Christmas Eve gathering here at Go Church at, at all of our locations. And so for those of you, let me talk to those of you at, at this campus for a moment. We have a 4 p.m. and a 6 p.m. Christmas Eve gathering, all right? And so what we're doing to accommodate the crowd, because we have a lot of people that come to those gatherings, is we're giving out tickets, free tickets, by the way. We'll never charge you to go to church. And if any church ever tries to charge you to go to church, go to a different church. Come on now. <laughs> So admission is free, but the ticket system helps us to accommodate all of the crowds. So you got 4 p.m., you got 6 p.m., which, by the way, during worship, they came over and told me that all of the tickets to 4 p.m. are already gone. Now, we're not going to turn anybody away. We're just going to figure it out. But you need to go get that 6 p.m. ticket real quick, then get on Facebook Marketplace and sell these bad boys. Come on, somebody. All right, so we're, we'll figure out. We'll have overflow and all of that. Once you get a ticket for you and your family, if between now and then, over the next, you know, 12 days, your plans change, please contact the office. Turn those tickets back in so that we can uh, make room for those on the waiting list, okay? So are you excited about Christmas at Go Church? Come on, it's going to be great. Christmas Eve at Go Church. It's going to be fantastic. Get your ticket today, okay? One more thing, because as we move into the holidays, schedules kind of begin to change, and you're busy, and you travel. So let me put this on your radar as you begin to plan 2022, twice a year, we set aside 21 days to practice the disciplines of prayer and fasting. And literally, I, I call a church-wide season of prayer and fasting. I want to say this to you, and I, I tell you, each time we do this, if we're going to do anything well at Go Church, if we're going to do anything right at Go Church, we're going to pray well and we're going to fast well. Come on, can I get an amen to that? What we do in these 21 days, these are the most important things that we do at Go Church, and they set the tone 
for the entire year. And so I just want you to get this on your calendar. We'll give you more information in the weeks to come. But it's a fantastic, powerful, supernatural 21 days. And we have seen all kinds of miracles and stories and testimonies being birthed out of these 21 days. So get this on the calendar. January 1st just so happens to be a Saturday. So we're going to kick off the brand new year on that first Saturday with a time of prayer. If you got the Go Church app every day during the 21 days, we've got a, a, a daily devotional, a, a blog, if you will, that you can follow along. It's just a really beautiful 21 days, and I hope that you can be a part. And then today, and the reason you came is to hear a message, and we kick off a brand new series today. Uh, we've been in this Legacy series for a couple of weeks, which, by the way, you can give to Legacy all month long. If you're new here and you don't know what Legacy is, it's the only special offering that we do at Go Church. We take up the initial offering on the first Sunday of the month of December, and then all month you can continue to give to Legacy. And then I'm going to make this commitment to you that in February, the first of February, we'll do Vision Sunday, and I'll tell you how much money has been collected. What's unique about this offering, we ask for 100% participation because we give 100% of it away. Come on, isn't that great? And last year, 2020, you all gave just right at $200,000 last year. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Really beautiful, really beautiful. So I'm not going to tell you the total. I'm going to wait till Vision Sunday, but I'm going to tell you this. We done beat that. Come on, somebody. That's what I'm talking about. All right. A little appetizer there. So it's a beautiful thing to do. So give to the Legacy Offering. And then today we're kicking off this new series called The Colors of Christmas. The Colors of Christmas. And everywhere we look, all the songs we sing kind of point towards the colors of Christmas. You get, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Silver bells, silver bells, all the way down to Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, right? So I want to talk about over the next couple of Sundays some of the colors of Christmas, what they, what they mean either biblically or what they might mean to you. Let me give you one verse and then I'll pray for you out of Isaiah 9, uh, chapter 9, verse number 6, kind of the theme verse, if you will. And the Bible tells us, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given are you thankful for Jesus? Come on, are you just thankful for Jesus? And the government shall be upon his shoulders. That's really good news. And his name shall be called. Let's do this together. Ready? One, two, three. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. My little girl, London, she's six now. Uh, when she was three or four years old, we would always do Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 as a part of our Advent. And when we got to the names, she would say, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Never Blasting Father. You know, and the first time she said Never Blasting Father, we laughed. And then I paused and I thought, you know what? I'm really glad he's a Never Blasting Father. How many of you are with me? He's everlasting and never blasting. Come on, somebody. And he is the Prince of Peace. Let me pray for you. You pray for me. Lord, we invite the Holy Spirit here. We sense the Spirit of God moving in this room. And it is my heartfelt and genuine prayer that everything we do today, from the community of the brothers and sisters of faith to the gathering of worship and the word from kids' ministry to those who are serving on the GO team, volunteering, everything we do, I pray it points back to you. Jesus, I want you to get the glory. I want you to get the honor. And today I'm standing up here very honored and humbled to be on this platform, to hold this microphone, and to preach your words of life. I can't do that leaning on my own wisdom 
knowledge, understanding, or strength. I need to be anointed by you, and so I pray that you would do that today. And God, I don't just want to be anointed, but I want you to anoint your people. May you open up their, their spiritual eyes and their ears so that they can hear a word from you, a transformative word from you. This is a busy season, and so it's easy to find ourselves distracted. But in these next few moments, God, we invite you to speak, and we'll lean into what you'll say. And may we leave here different and forever changed. And in advance of the work of God that's taking place, we give you all the glory and we give you all the honor. And we pray all of these things in one name. That is the name that has all authority and all power. It's the name of Jesus. And the whole church said, amen and amen. I know you've clapped a lot, but now can we honor God with the highest praise? Come on. Come on, five seconds here, church. Come on, there we go. Yeah, yeah. All right, grab something to take notes with today. There's a message note card in the seat back pocket right in front of you, or maybe you got a journal. Or maybe you want to use your smartphone. Just, you know, don't get distracted with text messages and all of that. And uh, let's have this conversation on the colors of Christmas. First, though, let me give you a little personality test here, if you will. We'll look at the different personality types of the people that are in this room, and we'll do so by connecting, connecting it to the way that you decorate your Christmas tree. So by a show of hands, how many of you got a Christmas tree that's decorated? Come on, wave at me real quick. Now, culturally, this could be different because some cultures, they, they don't view you know, Christmas trees as, as a thing, and, and some even find it somewhat sacrilegious. So you, know, you do you, right? That's no, no, no judgment. You do you. For many of us, we have a Christmas tree, and for my house, we've got, well, a few Christmas trees. Come on, somebody. And we decorate them, and each tree has a variety of decorations, and a lot of times you're putting lights and you're putting colors on that tree. So let's look at your personality type connected to the way that you decided to decorate that tree. All right, for those of you that use multicolored lights, come on, where are you at? You use the multicolored lights. You're an extrovert. Come on now. And you already knew that because you're like, I do. I use multicolored lights, you know. Calm down. That's cool, right? So use the multicolored lights. All right, where are the folks that only use white Christmas lights? White Christmas lights. Okay, if you only use white Christmas tree lights, you're the type of person who will ask guests to take their shoes off at the front door. If this ain't me, there ain't another one. I'm telling you, this is me, isn't it, Kimberly? Like, and when you come in my house, I don't ask you to take your shoes off. Kimberly says that's rude. I don't think it's rude. You don't pay the mortgage. Come on, somebody, right? You ain't going to pay for the carpet cleaning. But I'll just stare at your feet till you take the shoes off. Come on, just be like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? How are you, man? <laughs> and we, use, we only use white lights. So, uh, so this, one, this one's definitely me. All right? How many of you use blinking lights? Blinking lights. That's because you have ADD. Just be honest. Admit it. Own it. It's like, hey. <laughs> have you ever been to somebody's house and the tree's doing this the whole time and you don't know what's that? You think, you might, is it a disco or am I having a seizure? Come on, I don't know what. You got ADD with the lights up. Homemade ornaments. Homemade ornaments. Yeah, that's because you have kids at home. You got kids at home. And so when you got kids at home and God bless our little children. And thank God for all of those volunteers and go kids right now. Come on. And don't you love, don't you love your... <laughs> you love your kids especially when they're like little and they make these arts and crafts and you know London she'll come home from school and she's like dad look what I made I'm like oh babe that is so beautiful forgive me Lord and then she'll say like what is it that's a dangerous question 
you know, and I'm like, why don't you tell me what it is, babe? Go ahead. You explain it to me. So, you know, if your tree has homemade ornaments because you got, you got little kids at home, uh, string popcorn. Remember these days, string popcorn? If that's you, you've got uh, the type of personality. You just got too much time on your hands. You know, get a, get a second job or something like that. Red decorations. Come on, red decorations. If you only use red decorations, it's because secretly you want to be in a Hallmark movie. There, I just, I revealed that to you right there. So, just decorate your tree. Come on, ladies. How many of you want to be in that Hallmark movie? I mean, you know, and I've thought about being in it. I mean, I got a beard and a flannel shirt. I'm halfway there. Come on, something like I'm almost there. All right, a couple more. If your tree has a vague evergreen smell, you bought a healthy tree. If it's got a, a strong evergreen smell, you sprayed it with pine saw. Come on. If it just plain stinks, there's probably a dead bird in that tree. How about that? Come on. How many of you have found yourself in one of these personalities? You've already seen it, right? So every Sunday before I get up here, Saturday night, Kimberly will proofread the slides that I make. So this way you think I've got good grammar or whatever. So she read through these last night and then today I was like, you know what? I'm going to add one more and it's about me and her. All right. She's looking, maybe I shouldn't do this. All right. This is for you, babe, right here. If you have nine decorated Christmas trees in your home, it's because you got the best husband in the whole world. Come on, somebody. That's, that's me, baby, right there. Nine trees, that's a whole lot of money. Good Lord, but I love you. You can have all the Christmas trees that you want. And Christmas should be a time of celebration. Christmas should be a time of joy. Listen, all joking aside, Christmas should be about Hallmark and movies and eating. Can I get an amen to that? Come on, like no calories during Christmas. I felt the Holy Spirit on that one. You should sing and you should decorate and you should exchange gifts and when you look at all the, the, the decor and the season, the atmosphere, when you look at the colors, it does something to your emotions, and it should, it should cause celebration and happiness and joy. But here's what I'm learning, and I don't know exactly who this message is for today, but I would imagine it's for a number of you, is that you don't enjoy Christmas like some of us do. You actually endure Christmas. Whenever we get to the holidays, there are a lot of emotions for many of you attached. Some pain, some grief, some heartache, some loss, some challenge, some difficulty. I could spend the rest of my conversation with you trying to identify those groups of people, but I just thought I'd highlight just a few. For some of you, whether you're in Germantown online or you're in this room, this is going to be the first Christmas that you spend without that significant other or that family member because this year they've gone on to heaven. I don't want to exploit anybody. I don't want to put anybody's business out there. But in my view right now, I see Martha, Robin, Judy, all who are now widows in this year. And many of us, we feel a different way about Christmas because it creates for us these emotions and let's be honest, some of us, we got family drama. You're one crazy uncle away from the Jerry Springer show. You, you know that, right? There is no kind of hurt, no deep kind of hurt like family hurt. It's the worst. And so while other people are celebrating getting together with their families through Christmas, you're like, man, the greatest gift you could give me is to be away from those family people, right? Some of you feel that. Some of you are walking through a divorce or, or maybe you're separated, so there's challenges with that. A lot of you feel in the holidays this financial pressure, this stress. 
And I just want to tell you, I don't, I don't know the dynamic of your household or your relationships. But just take the burden of the finances off in the holidays. There, there is not a perfect gift other than your devoted time and commitment to your family. So just, yeah, come on. Let's take the pressure off trying to find the right gift. Your family doesn't need more things. They just need more quality. It's not the quantity of things. It's the quality of time. And there's teenagers in this room like, that's a terrible sermon you're preaching. To kind of church this is. You don't get your gifts, but you get the point that I'm trying to make. Some of you this year or recently, you got a bad doctor's report. You have ongoing health issues. If you've seen the news in the last 24 hours or so, how, how do those individuals in Arkansas and Tennessee and Mayfield, Kentucky, how, how do they celebrate Christmas? I, I pulled some images off of the string of tornadoes that came through over the last 24 hours or so. and I mean, these towns have been completely demolished. I don't even know uh, an accurate number to tell you of how many people have died. Uh, this morning before the first gathering, I read over 100 people have been killed by, by these severe storms. And I do want to tell you for what it's worth that because we put our money where our mouth is because of your generosity and your commitment to the legacy offering, we're already giving to God's pit crew, uh, the Church of God, the Association of Related Churches, the care ministry. There are already boots on the ground. And we can do that substantially because of your generosity. But how, how do these individuals, your story, your, your grief, your pain, your emotions... So today, I guess on the first kind of conversation in this particular series, I want to talk about a blue Christmas, a blue Christmas, because for many of us, man, let's be honest, the last year's been tough. Shoot, the last 22 months have been tough. We've all gone through some things. Now, you, you can't talk about blue Christmas and not quote the great theologian Elvis Presley. Come on, somebody. How many, come on, how many of you are Elvis fans? Just admit it, it's all right. I love Elvis. I do. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> here's his song, and many of you know this, and if you've never heard Blue Christmas, jump on Spotify today, but here's some of the lyrics of his song. He says, I'll have a blue Christmas without you. I'll be so blue just thinking about you. Decorations of red on a green Christmas tree won't be the same if you're not here with me. You wanted it and I gave it to you. Come on. I could feel it. Up here, I could feel it like, sing it, pastor. Sing it. Okay, I digress. Sorry about that. It's disturbing, I know. But you needed it and so I gave that to you. And when those blue snowflakes start falling, that's when those blue memories start calling. You'll be doing all right with your Christmas of white. But I'll have a blue, 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 blue Christmas. And if you think about this, if you go back to the very first Christmas, it wasn't all holly jolly. It wasn't all gifts and hot cocoa and Frosty the snowman. Think about the very first Christmas because really it was a little blue. You've got a teenage girl who is pregnant with a child that is not her husband's. Come on. You've got a child that is going to be born in a manger, birthed in a dirty animal stall. The first Christmas is a story about King Herod, who is literally murdering toddler boys. 
he's issued this law that all of the boys ages two or three and under should be killed because he was afraid of the truth that the wise men were speaking that there was going to be a rival king to his kingdom. And so he's killing innocent children. It's the story of, of someone being sent into this, this world in great peace, but then ultimately would be condemned to death. So it's not, it's not all holly jolly. The light of the world is coming, but the world snuffs out the light. Does that make sense? It's the story of God giving his grace and his never-ending mercy and his unconditional love, but yet mankind would reject it all. Now, if you look at the first Christmas through that perspective and that lens only, then immediately you're like, man, okay, yeah, like, I mean, that's pretty blue. But I want to show you this morning, just for a few minutes, a different perspective. To the eyes of a great man by the name of Simeon. In Luke chapter number 2, we're introduced to Simeon, who the Bible describes as a righteous and devout man. And if you read uh, some of the words that Simeon spoke, you'll see that there, there are some, some blue undertones. But I also want you to see how excited Simeon is. So go with me to Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to give you six or seven verses of Scripture here. Let me read it, all right? There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and he was devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? He was just waiting for the promised Messiah. There was this promise that the Messiah would come, and so Simeon is waiting. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was on him. When I read this earlier, um, I just felt such a burden in my heart that I want to be like Simeon. We are waiting for the promised Messiah, the inevitable return of Jesus. Okay, So I want to wait with great patience and urgency because time is running out. And we have to tell the whole world who Jesus is. Come on, give me an amen there. And I want the Holy Spirit to be on me. I pray that everything I do, I'm, I'm led by and empowered by the Spirit of God. Verse 26, it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So moved by the Spirit, verse 27, he went into the temple courts and when the parents brought the child, who is Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, don't want to take this out of context, but just kind of give you a quick understanding. Imagine that Simeon is a part of Jesus' child dedication. So just like many of you parents and grandparents, you've dedicated a child. So according to the law, there was an, an, a circumcision on the eighth day and the naming of the, the child, et cetera, and so on. And now Simeon is just a part of that entire dedication of life for Jesus. And now, if your mind will allow you to, to, to see this, Simeon takes Jesus in his arms and he praises God. And this is what he says, Sovereign Lord, just as you have promised, now you may dismiss your servant in peace. And then he says this, and it's so powerful. He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation. Isn't that great? For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Now watch this. Simeon knew that the life of Jesus 
was going to find itself with great conflict, difficulty, and ultimately death on the cross at Calvary. But he knew that regardless of what Jesus was going to walk through, what Jesus was going to accomplish would be far greater. So Simeon could say that although the time was very difficult, right, the challenge of the reality of the moment, but the glory of God would be revealed. And you can see and hear and read the excitement of Simeon because he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. I'll hold on to that thought for just a moment. My eyes have seen your salvation. And let me say this to you. And I want to, whoever this message is for, and I want to say this with great sensitivity and great pastoral care, but I want you to know what I believe through the word of God. Regardless of what we've been through, regardless of what we've walked through, regardless of what we will walk through, regardless of the storms, the struggle, the grief, the pain, the tears, the heartache, the loneliness, regardless of all of that, when we get to Christmas, we still can celebrate. Oh, come on, give me a better amen than that. At Christmas, regard, and I don't have time to stand up here and to tell you all of my dark moments of my life, but there have been moments where I didn't think I'd see the light of the next day. But when we get to Christmas, I'm not putting up a dead Christmas tree. Not in my house. Especially not nine of them. Come on, somebody. We're not singing funeral hymns. No, Christmas is a celebration. Because joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Come on. No matter what we face in life, as believers, we have this assurance that this world is not our home. That we don't take up residence here. That hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Can I get a hundred people that would help me preach? I know that there may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Come on. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I wish I had somebody receive what I'm trying to tell you. I know it feels overwhelming. I know it feels like you want to throw in the proverbial towel. But this Christmas, we celebrate Jesus. Come on. We celebrate Jesus. My eyes. Seen your salvation. That means you got to get your eyes off of just problems. Get our eyes off of just pain. Get our eyes off of an earthly perspective and start to see an eternal perspective. And listen to me, don't, don't you take Jesus out of the story. We have commercialized Christmas. I'm going to get on a soapbox for about three minutes here. We've commercialized Christmas to a point that we're trying to take Jesus out of the story. Christmas is more than, than boxes and bows and gifts and all that. Christmas is the story of the birth of Jesus. So, so let, let's be careful not to take Jesus out of the story. And let's be careful, listen to me, don't take Jesus out of your story. Uh, you go back a few years ago in uh, Ridgeview, Wisconsin, or uh, Ridgeview Elementary School in Wisconsin. This public school decided to do a, a Christmas play. But, you know, in a public school, you can't celebrate Christmas, you can't say Jesus, which, can I stay on my soapbox? Even if you said no, I'm on it. Come on, somebody. We need Jesus back in the schools. We need God back in the schools. 
So they decided, hey, we're going to do this Christmas play, but we can't talk about Jesus. And so we're going to call it a winter program. You know, and what, the reason why I'm telling you this story is because it, it's true. And they wanted to sing Silent Night, but didn't want to celebrate Jesus. So they used the melody of Silent Night and they changed the words. So watch this. So, so instead of Silent Night, they called it Cold in the Night. And here's just, here's just some of the words here. Cold in the night, no one in sight. Winter winds whirl and bite. How I wish I were happy and warm, safe with my family and out of the storm. I'm just thinking about me. If I'm sitting there and my kid's singing the song and they're done, I, do I clap? You know what I'm like? Or do I cry? <laughs> this is disappointing. Watch. They've removed Jesus and inserted hopelessness. And that's what the world is doing. And whenever you remove Jesus, you immediately insert hopelessness because Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope for our problems. Jesus is the answer for our pain. And when you take Jesus out of the equation, you're left with grief and sorrow and a blue Christmas. Does that make sense? And let me tell you, listen to me, because it's happening. It is. The more that we remove Jesus... Can you imagine life without Jesus? Ladies and gentlemen, that is terrifying. But God knew that. So watch this. Your Bible says from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Watch. Do not be afraid. Now, what I'm about to tell you, and I want a full disclosure. I don't know if this is true or not. So you got some homework to do on your own. But I've heard it been said over and over and over again that in your Bible... That this phrase, do not be afraid, or the phrase, fear not, is in your Bible 365 times. That means one fear not for every single day of the year, God's reminding you, you don't have to be afraid when you are in a relationship with me. Isn't that awesome? Now, one theologian said that when he counted, he actually counted 366, do not be afraid or fear not. That's because the Lord didn't want to leave out the leap year. Come on, somebody. I don't know if it's true, but what I do know is true is that you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Watch, let me give you, I'm, as a matter of fact, I'm going to give you all 365 verses here. I'm just kidding. I just want to see if you're listening. Let me give you three. Watch, Matthew 1.20, and the angel appeared to Joseph. And let me tell you, if, you're, if your fiancé, your soon-to-be wife comes to you and she's like, hey, just... <laughs> Real quick conversation here. <laughs> You're going to need an angel to tell you to marry that woman. Come on, somebody. I'm pregnant, and it ain't yours. Well, whose is it? The Lord's. You're going to say, hey, baby, we need to get you to a counselor and some medication, right? So you're going to need an angel. So the angel came to Joseph and said, don't be, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Take Mary home to be your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And then if, if, you're, if you're the woman, and all of a sudden you wake up, and you're like, come on, mamas, you know what I'm talking about, morning sickness. God bless every woman that's ever carried a child. And if you've not carried a child, and that's your prayer, may the Lord grant that desire of your heart in this new year. Women are superheroes. I mean, I remember when Kimberly was... The only, fellas, you ought to clap. I'm telling you right now, you better be clapping. 
We, fellas, we couldn't have, come on. We can't even get a cold. I mean, ladies get sick, and it's like the whole, how, the whole world shuts down. You know, we get the man flu. Come on, somebody like, I'm dying. That's me, isn't it? Why are you saying yes? That is so rude. I remember when Kimberly was pregnant with Lakeland. Um, this is a true story. I stayed sick during that pregnancy. I mean, I remember one time we walked into Carabas. We walked in. I was like, man, we need some Italian food. We walked in. I was like, Aah. you know why? Because that's what a real man does for his woman. Come on, somebody. I gained 40 pounds for you, baby. Come on. 40 pounds I put on. But look, if you're the woman, right, all of a sudden the angel has to appear and say, look, you don't have to be afraid. All of this is God's plan. You'll conceive, you'll give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. And then the announcement of the birth, now the angel says to everyone, watch, you don't have to be afraid. And this is so important, especially for those of us that are just walking through some really difficult times right now. We're trying to endure or enjoy Christmas, but really we're just enduring Christmas. Watch, don't be afraid because I bring you good news. We need some good news. And this news will cause, somebody shout great joy. Great joy. Great joy for all the people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He's the Lord. Let me give you three thoughts here. If I were to, to rephrase this, I would say, you don't have to be afraid, or you, you don't have to have a blue Christmas, because, number one of three, Jesus is the light of my world. He's the light of my world. I remember, I'll never forget the phone call that we got from the police when my dad had a heart attack. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the scream that my mom let out in that moment that he didn't make it. And I'm telling you now, I mean, I am... 28 years later, and let me tell you this, time does not heal. Jesus heals. Jesus heals. 28 years later, and I can still go back to the darkest moment of my life. And I didn't ever think that I'd see the sunshine again. And I just want to tell some of you, because you're walking through some stuff, man. Listen to me. I prophesy this over you. You will smile again. You will laugh again. You will experience joy again. As long as you keep Jesus in the story, come on. If you say amen to that, it's because you know that's a part of your testimony, right? That in the darkness, you don't have to be afraid because Jesus is your light. And, and Jesus has this powerful way of, of illuminating things, even when we can't see clearly what's going on. Jesus said this in John 8. He said, he answered and he said that I am the what? The light of the world. And I want to make this personal. He's not just the light of the world. He's the light of your world. He's the light of my world. And these last 24 months or 22 months, almost 24 months now with the pandemic and all of the other stuff, it's been hard. And there's been some really dark moments 
But in those moments, what we've all experienced at some point, and if you've not yet experienced this, I pray that you do, is that God has been able to shine his light. And let me tell you what light does. Light exposes some things. And for those of us that have been in a position to listen and to learn and to process, God has made very clear some things to us. And I know that for many of us, we probably would say, well, I never want to, if I knew what was going to happen, I would never want to walk through that again. But he's the light of our world, and he'll, he'll take the darkest situations, the darkest circumstances, and, and he'll reveal some things in us and through us. Does that make sense to anybody? And so you don't have to be afraid because Jesus is the light of my world and your world, but also because God is with you. You know this. God is omnipotent, meaning he's all-knowing and he's all-powerful. But he's also omnipresent, meaning he's with you. Uh, how, how, how often is he with you? I'm glad you asked. 24-7, 365, he never leaves. And the same God that was with you on the highest of the mountain in the moments of great celebration is the same God that carries you as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I should have printed it off or at least tried to memorize it. I love that old footprints in the sand poem. Come on, if you, if you grew up with a grandma that knew God, she had that printed somewhere in her home, didn't she? Come on. And I remember, re if you don't know that poem, you need to Google it, man. Listen to Blue Christmas and Footprints in the Sand. Come on, somebody. And when you look back at the footprints that were in the sand during the hard times of the writer's words, it says, I only saw one footprint. And he thought that that was when God left. That's not when God leaves. That's when God picks you up and carries you along the way. God is with us. And let me just speak some encouragement over you. And he never leaves. And he'll never forsake you. And some of you, you deal with abandonment issues either from a, a husband or a father or a spouse. And so it's hard for you to imagine someone never abandoning you. God, God will never abandon you. The Bible says that he's just as close as the mention of his name. I remember one night when I was in college and I felt like the world was closing in on me. I laid in my bed and I was so paralyzed by fear, by fear. And that night, listen to me, that night, and I don't know if you've ever had this encounter. I thought, tonight I am going to die. Have you ever had that kind of fear? You don't have to lift your hand, but you know what I'm talking about? Like, I thought, tonight I'm going to die. There wasn't a part of my body that I could move, and tears just began to stream down my face, and I felt the enemy in my room. And all I could do, the only thing I could say, and it was a whisper, I just had enough mustard seed faith to say, Jesus. And, oh, I feel the Lord now. The moment that I said, Jesus, all of a sudden, every demon that tried to attach itself to an assignment on my life began to, and I felt freedom. There is power in the name Jesus. And the Bible says he's just as close as the mention of his name. Some of the most powerful prayers that I've ever prayed, the only word that I could ever say was the name Jesus. And all of a sudden, come on, do you feel the presence of God here? And all of a sudden, Jesus would walk in because he is always with me. Watch, they said, give him a name and call him Emmanuel, which means what? God is with us. 
And can I tell you, God has seen every tear. He's heard every cry. He knows every pain. He knows every grief. And he's with you. And the bluest of Christmas, God is there. You got time for one more? You don't have to be afraid because Jesus gives me what the world can't. Peace. Peace. Anybody need a little peace today? Come on, that's me. Let me pray for you real quick. I got one more thing to say, but let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that peace would just move. Come on. Peace. You give us the, the Trinity, God, the Father who loves us, God, the Son who died for us, and God, the Holy Spirit who's within us, and just ask that the Holy Spirit would give peace. Would you do it now, Jesus? Come on, give, give peace to those who are weary. Give peace to those who have great anxiety. Give peace to those who are overwhelmed and overrun with fear. Peace. Give us peace. Give us peace. Thank you, Jesus. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I'll pray in fathomless billows of love oh peace peace wonderful peace coming down from the father above sweep over my spirit forever I pray in fathomless billows of love. Let me give you this one verse here, and I'll tell you something the Lord revealed to me in my prayer time this week. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, I know this doesn't feel like a Christmas verse, but it is. And watch, when you present your request to God, watch what happens. Here's the response. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to tell you this not because I need affirmation or for you to think of me in some degree of hyper-spirituality. But I try to dis discipline myself in my day to get up early and you know, do my personal time with the Lord, my devotion time with God, because when the day gets busy and you try to catch up on the back end, it hardly ever works out, right? So I try to get up. A mentor of mine told me in one season, if you get up before the sun comes up, God will meet you there. And I've tried to discipline myself to that. So the other morning I got up early and I was doing my, my, my Bible reading and I had this thought I thought, I wonder where all in the Bible the color blue shows up. You know, like we're talking about a blue Christmas. I wonder where, and all throughout Scripture, 
you see the color blue. But it is repeated in the Old Testament. Um, when you think about the design and the decoration of the tabernacle, the temple, the architect, they used a lot of blue. And you can read about that. Again, in the Old Testament, it's over and over and over again, the significance of the color blue. And then I learned that there was one individual that was required to wear blue. And I found this so unique. And you probably know who it is, but in the Old Testament, the high priest was instructed to wear a blue robe. So whenever the high priest would do their daily ceremonial duties, they would put on this outer blue garment and then they would perform those, again, those religious responsibilities. Now, again, I'm not an Old Testament scholar and I don't know all of the whys and the whats. And I know for a fact that there were some exceptions to this rule. But overall, a high priest was required to wear a blue robe. So I'm thinking about all of this and my mind's just kind of processing. And then, and I'm not exaggerating this, my, my daily devotion for that day led me to the book of Hebrews. And I'm reading in Hebrews chapter 4 and I get to verses 14, 15, and 16. And I want you to see what the Lord showed me. Watch this. Verse 14. Therefore, since we now have a great high priest, come on somebody, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses or sympathize with our pain or he can't sympathize with our grief. He, he's, he's experienced all of it. And he understands the, the pain of all of it. Rather, we have one that has been tempted in all things just as we have been, yet he never sinned. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. And here it is, so that we may receive mercy and find grace for our help in the time of our need. So let me summarize it by this. I don't know why the Old Testament high priest wore a blue robe. I don't know why Jesus wears a blue robe as the great high priest other than this. This is my thought. I think it's because Jesus wants to take your blues away. Jesus wants to carry your burdens. Jesus wants to carry your grief. He wants to carry your pain and carry your sorrow. And the things that you've been shouldering, we read that in the beginning, put it on his shoulders. So here's a closing question and then I'll pray. What have you been wearing? What have you been carrying in your life that you just need to hand over to the high priest? Every head bowed, every eye closed, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.